Wherever you may be, wherever you may be watching from, whatever walk of life you find yourself in, I believe wholeheartedly that this message today is for you. It's a word from God and it can bring transformation to your life uh, if, you'll, if you'll lean in. You know, this, this sermon is noteworthy. Let me tell you that. It's noteworthy. There's some things that we're going to unpack that I believe will just make real easy notes, easy things to note down. So I want to encourage you, have your notebook, have your phone, be ready to take some notes and let's, let's go on a journey together. Can we do that? Can we go on a journey together as we unpack some biblical truths? Is that cool? Put it in the chat if that's all right. Say, I'm ready, Pastor Greg. I'm ready for the word. Um, we're going to be reading out of a story that is a very, well, it's a very interesting story. It's got a lot of complexities. It's got a lot of um, moments that you could literally, you could preach a whole series off this story. But I really want to focus on a few things that I've pulled out that I feel God wants to encourage us. And that's, that's out of the book of Mark, chapter 5. And I'm really excited about this word um, out of Mark, chapter 5. And we're going to read, in a moment, we're going to read from verse 20, 21 and uh, but the title of my message this morning for those taking notes is a 12 year journey a 12 year journey and I'd love to just pray one more time before we go any further in the message and so God we just pray right now that these would not be my words but they'd be your words that every voice that is listening, would be attentive to what you want to say, not what, not what I want to say, but what you want to say to each and every one of them, God. That, that your words, Lord God, would be nutrients to our soul. Lord God, that it would help us grow, help us be healthy in the spirit and help our soul to stay sweet and, and close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you a question, church, this morning before we read a few verses out of the book of Mark. And that question is simply, have you ever been desperate for something? Have you ever been desperate? You know, maybe you were desperate for a job. Maybe you've been desperate for a, a car that you really like. You're desperate. Um, maybe you've been desperate for, you know, a partner, a certain girl, a certain boy. You're desperate for them. I remember a time when I was desperate for something. And uh, it was when I was over in India. I spent a few weeks over in India a couple years ago. And I remember being so desperate for something while I was over there. I was just so desperate. You know, we'd been, we'd been eating all the local cuisine, having some, you know, curries. And, and don't get me wrong. No, there's definitely not any McDonald's over there. But, um, you know, I was, don't get me wrong, the food was great, but I was so desperate, church, to get back to Australia so I could just tackle a big, mean chicken parmigiana. Can I get an amen in the chat this morning? I just wanted to fly back home and I wanted to drive up to the Bull of Mouth or the Vic or wherever and just hoe into that thing, you know. I was desperate, church. I was desperate. Maybe you can relate this morning to that story. But the point is, I feel 
that oftentimes there are certain things that we get desperate for, but then there's other things that we're not desperate for. You know, I think we could all agree that no one's desperate to do the laundry. No one's desperate to do the dishes. Maybe you are, and that's cool. We'll pray for you later. No one, no one's desperate to change the baby's nappies. I know I certainly am not. But there are some things that we are desperate for. There are some things that we put into that category of desperation. Something that I'm so fixed on, so focused on, that until I get this thing, nothing else is going to come between me and it because I'm desperate. And I want to, my main, I guess, main premise of my message this morning is simply that when we get desperate for Jesus, he, he cannot help but move in our situation with Holy Spirit power. When we get desperate for Jesus, he cannot help but move in our situation with Holy Spirit power. It's time to get desperate for Jesus. It's time to get desperate for Jesus. You know, we can be desperate in the natural, but we can also be desperate in the supernatural. We can be desperate for things in the natural, in our natural world, but we can also be desperate for things in the supernatural realm. And I think both are important for us to live a holistic Christian lifestyle. We need to be desperate for the things of the natural, things like chasing our purpose of God, chasing what has God called us to do with our life in, in our in physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, all these natural things that we can steward well to, to continue chasing after the things of God. We need to be desperate to chase after that which God has called us to do here on in the natural world. But we also need a supernatural desperation where we are desperately chasing after an intimate relationship with Jesus, where we are desperately chasing after salvations and revival for this region. Signs, wonders and miracles, there needs to be a desperation in our heart. I believe that a supernatural desperation will always lead to a natural reaction. See, when we get desperate in the Spirit, when we're truly desperate in our spirit and our heart for Jesus to move in us and through us, it will compel us, it will compel our desires to respond in a certain way. In a certain way that may have been different to anything else we've ever experienced. And in the book of Mark, as we're about to read now, we see a story of some people who got desperate. In Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, it says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him, saying earnestly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. 
and he went with him and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Jairus was a man of stature. He was a man of reputation, of position, of standing. But he was desperate enough to throw himself at the feet of Jesus. You see, Jairus' desperation was greater than his concern of his reputation or what other people thought about him or looked like or what was expected of him. It would have been seen as improper for Jairus to do what he did. But that's the thing about desperation. When we get desperate for Jesus, it will cause us to do things that are not normally expected of us. Things that other people would might find a bit out of the ordinary for us. But when we are desperate for Jesus to do something in us or through us, it leads us to do things that maybe don't make sense. You know, Jairus's miracle was on the other side of his comfort zone. And I feel oftentimes that when we truly begin to be desperate for Jesus in our own lives, he may call us to step out in ways that are outside of our comfort zone. You might have to go against what others expect of you in order to receive what God has in store for you. You might have to go against other people's expectations of you in order to receive and walk in that which God has in store for you. Jairus went against all the expectations of his life as a ruler of the synagogue for him to throw himself down at the feet of Jesus, who was not a ruler was not a person of high standing in the culture of the day. Jairus saw Jesus, fell at his feet and implored him. Jairus implored Jesus, come save my daughter. Jairus didn't pray little timid prayers. He was bold and begged God for his miracle because he was desperate. Desperation will cause us to pray prayers with a whole new level of boldness, a level of boldness we've never had before. God doesn't want us to pray timid prayers. He wants us to be like Jairus and implore him, come save my daughter, I'm desperate. If we continue reading verse 25 to 34, it says, And then there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but grew far worse. She had, she had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. 
and immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in him that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd passing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had, it, who had done it. But the woman, knowing what she had done, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down at the feet of Jesus and told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. The woman touched Jesus. You know, I think that there's oftentimes people who, there's people who touch Jesus, but then there's people that touch Jesus. It's one thing to touch Jesus, but it's another thing to really touch Jesus. And St. Augustine, well-known theologian, says, Few are those who touch Jesus, but many are those who throng around him. We read earlier that as Jesus went with Jairus, it says a great crowd followed him and thronged around him. Christians who touch Jesus will push through any barrier to get to him. The desperation in their heart will lead them to touch Jesus no matter the circumstances. The Christians that just throng around Jesus are happy to stand on the sidelines and watch. Like the people that were watching Jesus as he interacted with Jairus and the woman with the blood. I want to be a Christian that is desperate to touch Jesus. I want to be a husband that's desperate to touch Jesus. I want to be a father that's desperate to touch Jesus. The woman was able to stop Jesus. Can we stop and just think about that for a moment? Jesus was on the move. He was on a mission. He had an assignment. He was with Jairus on his way to his house to heal his daughter. Yet something was important enough that it stopped him in his tracks. This woman managed to stop Jesus. You see, faith in action gets the attention of Jesus. When we put our faith into action, it can't help but get the attention of Jesus. The eyes and the hands and the blessing of God focus in on our situation. I heard a preacher say this week that Jesus was busy, but he was never rushed. Jesus was busy doing many things, but he was never rushed. Jesus is not so rushed and so busy that he doesn't have time for you and your needs. The woman got more than she bargained for. When we are desperate to touch Jesus, he doesn't just answer whatever need we have at the time, but he gives life and life abundantly. Ephesians 3.20. He's not just going to answer whatever is on your list, 
that he's going to go above and beyond more than you could ever imagine. Let me read it to you. In verse 34, it says, Your faith has made you well. Number one, you've been made well. Not only did Jesus heal her, but he saved her. The word, the Greek word used for the phrase, made you well, is the word sozo in the Greek, which is the word that we use for the same word as saved. So he didn't just make her well, but he saved her. He saved her. He said, your faith has made you well. Number one, made you well. Number two, he said, go in peace. He's not just going to save you. He's not just going to heal you. He's going to give you peace. When we're desperate for him, he will give us peace. He will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. He is the Prince of Peace. So when we seek him and touch him, peace automatically will come into our hearts and our soul. Come to me, those who are tired, and I will give you rest. Real rest is peace. And number three, he said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You've been healed of your disease. God is wanting to do more in us than we could have ever seen for ourselves if we'll only be desperate for him if we'll get desperate for him. Let's read the last few verses now. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear. Come on. Do not fear. Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear. Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James and John. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing. And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but Jesus put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and Peter, James and John and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kuman, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they, immediately, and, and they were immediately overcome and amazed. And he strictly charged them that no one should know of this and told them to give her something to eat. You see, Jesus wasn't afraid of the bad report. Jesus was not afraid of the bad report that came to Jairus about his daughter. Jesus overheard it, but he wasn't afraid. He didn't let the bad report dictate what he knew God was going to do in the situation. I don't know about you. I don't know what report you've been given, whether it's health report, financial report, emotional report, whatever it is. Jesus is above that report. He's not afraid. He's not scared of that report. 
He's not going to let that report dictate what He does in you and through you. I love what the message translation says. Jesus, overhearing what they were talking about, said to them, this is verse 36, don't listen to them, trust me. So do not fear, don't listen to them, trust me, only believe. Do not listen to them, do not fear, only believe. I find it interesting that Jesus wasn't afraid to be exclusive in a situation that required sensitivity. It says that Jesus was putting people outside. Little, nice, delicate old Jesus putting people outside and taking those with him into the situation, those that were desperate and had the faith and the desperation to believe I, don't, I want to be someone that is in the room when Jesus is moving in power. I want to be, I don't care if I'm, I don't care about, Jesus is going to do the miracle. I don't, I just want to see him work in power. I, want to, I don't want to get put out of the room. I want to be in the room with him as he's moving in power. Jesus wasn't afraid of the timing. I could just imagine Jairus being there as Jesus is praying and and dealing with the woman with the blood and thinking, come on, come on, come on. I've only got a certain amount of time. I'm desperate, God. Come on. There's not much time left. But Jesus wasn't afraid of the timing. Jesus' reaction, the way Jesus responded to the bad report demonstrated his total submission to the Father's plan. Submission with the Father's, to the Father and his plan brings purpose to our life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Submit to his plan. No matter the outcome, no matter the outcome, whether he heals you or not, whether he delivers you or not, whether he answers your prayer or not, it doesn't matter. We need to submit ourselves to him and his timing. Jairus could have easily have been, Jesus, my my, my child's dead because of you, because of your timing. You got distracted with this woman and now my child's dead. You mustn't be able to work miracles. You mustn't be able to, my prayer wasn't answered, so you mustn't be able to raise people from the dead. But that wasn't Jairus' response. That wasn't how Jairus responded or reacted to the situation. All we see, all we see in the story is that Jairus just stayed with Jesus. He just stayed with Jesus. He didn't walk off. He didn't leave. He didn't get all up in arms and offended. He just stayed with Jesus. And Jesus told him, hey, don't worry, just believe. Don't fear, just believe. And Jairus stayed desperate. He, kept, he stayed in that position of desperation for Jesus to move, even in the midst of a bad, terrible report. You know, there's two stories here, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start bringing this to a close. And, you know, normally I would invite the band up, but... 
you know, maybe we'd have to settle for Pastor Andrew singing us a worship song, but we won't worry about that. We won't worry about that. But, you know, we, I mentioned earlier, and it's on the screen now, my sermon title is A 12-Year Journey. And you may be wondering, how does that really relate to what's going on? And, you know, you might think, well, you know, we've heard of, we've heard of two stories today. A story of a father who had a daughter who was dying and then another story of a woman who had a blood disease and was dying. And there was a, there's these two stories and these two elements of these stories. We've got blood, a blood issue and a death issue. And there's two things in the culture of the day, in the Bible times, there's two things that would have marked you as impure. And that was one, touching someone who was dead and two, touching someone, touching someone else's blood or someone that was bleeding. Both of these, both of these um, descriptions would have marked you as impure. But Jesus was not afraid to take what the world says was impure and flip it on its head and use it to reveal how good he is. And I don't know what it is in your life that you feel like, this counts me out. This marks me as impure, so I'm done. If I walk into the church, it's going to fall down on top of me. The church of Jesus Christ is strong enough to handle you and your sin. There's no sin bad enough that Jesus can't take care of. What the world has marked as impure upon your life, God, Jesus wants to take it, restore it, and move you into a, a new season if we will get desperate for him you know we had the woman woman who was bleeding for 12 years and a father and a daughter and the daughter was 12 years old so we have two very different 12 year journeys that we've just talked about and how a desperate heart and, the, and a desperation in their spirit led them to, you know, a miracle. But these were two very different 12-year journeys that these people were walking out and living. But they both, they both ended in the same place. Or not ended, but, you know, um, what's the word? resolved yeah we can go with that or like it was the epic the epic moment the, the plot twist all happened at the same moment their 12-year journey collided in the same place the feet of Jesus it was at the feet of Jesus in a in a position of desperation that these two totally different 12-year journeys interlocked and, and met at the same place. It doesn't matter what your last 12 years has been like. It doesn't matter what your last however long looks like. If we will get desperate and put ourselves at the feet of Jesus, He will do what only He can do, just like He did in these two stories. We had two daughters, two daughters, 
one daughter with an earthly father who was fighting for her and another daughter with a heavenly father who was fighting for her. Maybe you feel like you don't have anyone in your corner fighting for you. I want to encourage you today. You have got a father in heaven who is fighting for you, fighting for your situation, fighting for your life. Not only is he fighting for it now, but he's already won it. There actually isn't a fight anymore. But he is journeying with you, whether you know it or not. So as I, as I finish this morning, as I close, I want to ask a simple question. What is your positioning like before God? How are you positioned in front of God today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday? Is, is it just a Sunday thing or is it an every moment desperate heart before God falling at the feet of Jesus type thing? I pray it is. I pray it is. It's time for us to get desperate for Jesus. It's time for a supernatural desperation to compel us in the natural, whatever it may look like, whatever it is. What is your positioning like before God today? And maybe you've never been in a moment where you've heard Jesus talked about as someone that is actually interested in you or is actually desires to be a part of your life. Maybe your positioning before God is you feel like you're so far away, it's not funny. I want to encourage you today. God is right there by your side, no matter how far away you think you may be. So I want to pray. I'd love us to pray together in the last 30 seconds that we've got this morning. Can we pray together as a church and believe God to do a miracle like he did 2,000 years ago with two daughters, two different 12-year journeys, but the, the same position that led to the miracle was at the feet of Jesus. So come on, let's pray this together on the chat, in the, on the stream. Come on, wherever you are, pray this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life to set us free. We turn to you and I ask you to deliver us from our sin. Set us on a new course. Set us on a new journey. Fill our hearts with desperation. Fill our hearts with longing for you to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time and you know, you want to come back to Jesus or you want to, you want to start. Your, this is your first step of your journey. Then we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to help encourage and equip you for this journey because that's what it is. It's a journey. And um, so we can, you can get in touch. There's some info on the screen or you can just head to our website. And um, we'd love to get in touch with you. But, uh, you know, we love you, church. I pray that that has 
blessed you and encouraged you and challenged you for this week coming to get desperate for Jesus and find yourself at the feet uh, and at the foot of the cross. Amen.